Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe, and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case. Volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food. And up to the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is, swimming pools, movie stars. The Beverly Hillbilly. Hey kids, welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I hope everyone's doing okay. My guest today is good friend and uh, country music singer and writer Alex Tempest. And we bonded uh, quite heavily over old school professional wrestling. So he's obviously a top-notch uh, person. Um, I'm going to uh, give the disclaimer now. Uh, unless you're a very irresponsible parent, uh, I wouldn't let your kids listen to this interview. It's a bit, it's a bit blue. To be filthy, um, <laughs> you know. But I mean, kids can deal with a lot now, so you know. I think you know there's room to be irresponsible to a level. Uh, yeah, like, don't leave them in the washing machine. Um, and apart from that, you, you're fine basically as a parent. Um, my parents were quite irresponsible. You know, they let me watch Brookside as a kid. 
uh, which started a bit of an unhealthy obsession. And, um, you know, Brookside had, like, murder and rape and incest and stuff like that. And um, luckily it didn't shape the person who I am today. I'm not a murderer or rapist, um, which I'm sure you'll be all, like, pleased to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's, let's plug some stuff. Um, this Saturday... Uh, Toxic Melons, my band. Uh, this is for local people because if you're not local, I, I would love you to come from America, but I doubt you're going to be able to. Uh, we are playing the Bridge Hotel. We are back for the second month in a row, which is like this is like the most gigs in a short amount of time that we've played in like years. Uh, so we're hoping that uh, people can come and make it a good night. There's a lot of stuff going on like Evolution Emerging and um, Download and stuff like that. We are going to be better than all of that put together, basically. Um, so you, you should come. Uh, tickets are £5 in the link below. Or they're going to be more on the door. So, you know, do you get your tickets at the link below? Because I, I might be on the doors for this as well. And I ain't going to fucking let you in if you don't have enough money. God damn it. Um, you, you have to just do do sexy do a sexy dance. And then I might let you in. Um, and uh, this Thursday, Nova Radio, uh, which is a station you may not know, it's a local station, but it'll be broadcast on the internet and such. Um, I'm going to be talking about wrestling old school video games, so like that's kind of fun. It's like the, one of the rare times that someone's been like, who knows about something that we need to talk about? Oh, this guy. So they're actually putting my, like, what was once useless knowledge to uh, good use. And that's the dream, isn't it? So um, do tune into that if you're a wrestling fan. I think you might enjoy it because um, I know far too many pointless but interesting facts uh, about far too much stuff because I don't have a life. Um, and thank you to anyone who has joined the Instagram page for Turn Chuckle, the other wrestling podcast. It's We can't exactly do it on a weekly basis. Colin Delaney isn't free all the time. I'm really trying to work on more guests, uh, but people have been join, enjoying the Instagram page where I've been posting pictures of my collection. And if it makes you check out episodes in the archive with various wrestlers who have interviewed, then great. That's the point. Um... So yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that I'm sort of working on with regards to the podcast and you will know in due course. Um, thank you to Andrew Kirshner, of course, 15 Surefire Tips for Relieving Back Pain. Can't recommend the book enough. Um, I, I feel bad. I, I don't feel like we're selling enough copies to justify him being a sponsor for this one. But he's very supportive of the show. Do check it out. I can't like sort of um recommend enough how good this book is if you have everyday back problems click on the link below the show if you're on podbean uh if not go on amazon now look you, you possibly sat at a computer you've got your hands free unless you're looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at um go on amazon.com type in 15 surefire tips um and that book will come up and you should check it out and you can also buy it on kindle as well um and me and andrew will uh andrew and i uh, will be uh recording something hopefully this week just to really make the promotion of the book a bit more fun and you know because i think people are used to my advert now and maybe skip it which you shouldn't do it's very naughty um uh, so yeah uh do 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 check that out um I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I am getting better at like sort of uh, this whole plugging thing. Uh, stay tuned until the end of the show for some uh, guest announcements and uh, some more music. But for now, 
Here is a song from Alex. This is called Memories, and then we'll be going straight into my incredibly filthy interview with Mr. Alex Tempest. Making my way on down the road to a job that I hate. I know my boss is gonna explode if I turn in late. Another day like yesterday, it always ends the same. I look outside the window at the rain and ask if life was always so mundane. Then I'm riding on some grandpa's land, wind in my hair, rings in my hand, living like no time wasting scene. In the kitchen with the radio on, me and my mama singing along, and the memory's gone and it's seen. Okay, so this week on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast, we have a good friend of mine, someone that you probably don't know, but that'll all change. He is a wrestling <laughs> fan. He is a country music 
artist and he is a friend and he is a filthy fucker. He's Alex Tempest. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Don't get many intros as good as that. <laughs> well, I always say that, like, I, I pepper the intro with compliments and then the interview just goes downhill from there, so. Counts as a compliment that I'm a filthy fucker. She is, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how are you doing? You all right? I'm very good, thank you. Got a lot, of, lot on, very busy. That's what they'll say. Um, it's just, <laughs> they're just all keeping up appearances for the podcast. Like, yeah, I got loads going on. Got right now, right now. Alex, you know what? Yeah. I'm having seen you for like a fortnight. I know this is actually a long time in our world, but like, yeah, uh, like <laughs> you know. that's the, that's the thing. Like, people maybe just our friends will listen to this episode, but um, this is why, like, I put music on from different artists to try and get other people to listen, sort of thing. And then, that, like, I put your song on. Um, I can't remember whose episode it was. Might have been Danny Davis. No, it wouldn't. I be, think it, it wouldn't have been a wrestling one. That would be like a weird mix. No, it was a it was a, it was a lad who was he was doing a music thing. He had like a like a community project of music or something like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so yeah, uh, Alex is a, um, a massive country music fan and he, like, I haven't, I've known you for just over a year. It feels like a lot longer, but I mean that in a good way. Um, uh, thank you. <laughs> and, and I haven't seen you perform or anything yet, but I know how talented you are because I've heard you perform and, uh, you know, I've seen the photo shoots. So like, you know, you, you're making the, if the photo shoots are going to look good, then you're going to be, half decent i think i think that's the rule in nashville these days like what does he sound like doesn't matter you've seen the photo <laughs> um so how like because the thing is we are friends but like there are a lot of things i kind of apart from like all the filthy stuff you get up to like a lot of things that i probably don't really know about you um so like what was your first exposure to country music well it's it's a little bit stereotypical, but from being very little, I um, there's a combination of things. But one, it's a fond memory, which actually, good segue here, I've written about on the EP that's coming out. Right. Is, um, I, I used to sing with my mother a lot. My mother's a very good singer, that old country stereotype. <laughs> and we used, we used to sing in the kitchen together a lot. And um, me and her used to sing like Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton and stuff like that together. So since I was very little... That's been a musical involvement. And with me, um, my granddad being a horse dealer, I uh, I went out to a lot of like horse drives and horse fairs and stuff like that with my granddad. Yeah. So I was also in like pubs and clubs from a pretty young age and was often exposed to like country and Irish and folk and rock and all that sort of stuff, like all that kind of cowboy music. So it's from being quite little, it's always been a thing that's fairly normal to me. Quite interestingly, uh, interestingly, I should say cringeworthily, when I was at um, primary school, I was in the period of country getting a big boom in um, the UK. Cotton Eye And it was partially like, uh, before that, mate. <laughs> it was um, <laughs> Billy Ray partially on, yeah, that was one of them. On a cooler side, you had like golf roots. <laughs> okay. Like me, me mom and my mom's friends and all that were into golf and like Keith Whitley and that kind of music, like the cool stuff at the time. Yeah. But um, with Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus... When Achy Breaky Heart came out, out the headmaster of my school in this little tiny country village that I grew up in, uh-huh. the uh, the headmaster was a mad line dancer, and he got the school into the uh, Guinness Book of Records <laughs> by getting the whole school to do the uh, the fuzzy duck, I believe it was called, to Achy Breaky Heart at the same time, and That's... it was much like 
<laughs> that's Sorry, in- what? that's incredible. Like I can't believe I didn't know that. That's like, <laughs> it was, like, it I, was I, like I, I would be whipping that story out at parties and everything. Like that'd be the first thing I'd tell like people that I knew. Like that's amazing. That like, <laughs> you know that you know in South Park when they're all like, "Oh, you got served," and they're all doing the step up to the streets dance. Uh-huh. And then Randy Marsh comes in and he's like, "How are you?" And he like teaches them the line dance, the Hickey Breaky Heart. It was much like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no hope, really. Oh, <laughs> uh, at my school, uh, when we um, graduated, not graduated, when we uh, finished uh, GCSEs and stuff like that, there was a, and I'm doing in inverted commas, a prom. It was a end of school party, basically. I don't know why we adopted Aye. the word prom because like no one's taking dates. Just, I didn't think they were doing that in our generation. Like, um, I thought that was like, well, we weren't wearing like tuxedos or anything like that. But like, I didn't go because I couldn't be fucked. And um. But I saw pictures of it, and they were all line dancing to a song. I don't know what the song was, but they're like they <laughs> it wasn't just... a bloody steps one, was it? <laughs> it might. It was two thousand and two, so very well might have been. Um, oh I... lordy! <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. My memory of like school discos at primary school, there was a lot of Cotton Eye Joe. Um... I see him that fucking Wolfpackers song. <laughs> when yeah, when I was. Uh... <laughs> I was sat by myself and I was like, you know what I'm going to do in this coffee shop? I'm going to watch the wall pack. And I was pissing myself laughing. Like, like, <laughs> like honestly. And uh, the, it linked to, uh, <laughs> I swear to God, it linked to uh, Coronation Street uh, doing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. And I remember this as a child. Um, there was a character called, it was like this really old character called Percy. And he's singing it. And like, <laughs> But like he's kind of... Um, Things Did he are... even do the lights? A piece of shit. No, he when didn't. you look at it, <laughs> no, no, he I can't imagine that on Coronation Street. <laughs> no, he, he, he didn't do that, and he was kind of talking it. He was like, he was very Shatner esque, like. Um, oh God! I know, and but like every... a bit red Zovine. <laughs> well, every... <laughs> well, everything's everything's gone wrong for him, but he's like always on the bright side of life. And then like Liz McDonald and Gail Platt. Like I don't know if you watch Coronation Street at all, but like just two, um, two. Sorry to say, I don't. I uh, just two old, two old skanks. <laughs> Like they come out in like little Santa <laughs> Santa outfits and start dancing oh, around. Oh, <laughs> and I I remember this as a kid, and this was a genuine chart single as well. But so was the Wolfpackers as well. It was it was huge from what. Oh I remember. mate, I remember. Wait, I, what's it called? It was all over the place that um like Emmerdale Farm in general, like. Me, right. me grandparents and everything used to watch that all the time yeah. but I remember that stupid bloody hillbilly rock song being on the radio uh-huh. like as you get older and you are a bit of a hillbilly kid like growing up on a farm and like turn up to school in your dealer boots and you're slicked over hair and all that you immediately get all these stupid dickheads going like hillbilly rock hillbilly roll and you just get tormented with that friggin cotton eyed joke uh-huh. you Oh, see, yeah, see, I I love Queen, and the first thing that came out as a Queen fan was uh, we were rocking five. with five, yeah, and I just got. Oh, the... I remember that being absolutely gosh. It was it was absolutely awful. But the thing is, though, it was like Queen were then on TV a bit, which is like it was like kind of fun to see. Mm. But they would come out at the end of the song after five. It did all the rapping and shit like that. But did you know five? Or like, did, did you yeah, know five? I'd say rapping in the loosest possible sense. Rapping the in the loosest possible sense. But did you know five? <laughs> five are doing a tour of bingo halls now. Oh, good God. Did you not know that? They are the... gonna, I'm, I'm passing them on the way up. <laughs> I'll, give them a, I'll give them a high five. <laughs> and do you know what's great about it as well? There's only three of them now. They're still called five. <laughs> <laughs> three can make you get up. 
So it would be the number three H R E E, I guess. But um, I, what I would what I would love though, since they just R three three, since they just mime to the backing tracks, I would love it if like they're just miming and then the other bit comes on for the person that isn't there. And they just like have to stand there and like, do the dance or something, or even worse if they're doing it live and they don't actually know the other person's part, and then it's just like instrumental yep. backing track for a little bit. Get Millie vanillied, <laughs> you know, and it just sticks on the loop and just keeps going through and through. Oh, uh, I, I shouldn't mock five because you know the about the level of like podcast gets for me now. So <laughs> I, I would get to talk to them about like you know if we were rock you and. Uh, about the upcoming <laughs> bingo tour, so I I would love it though because they'll get they'll call out the numbers, won't they? And then if, and then they're like the, five will make you get down. <laughs> I know if they pull out five, it would just like the, the crowd will go wild. Like yeah, brilliant. So anyway, I'd have to troll them and sing "I've Got Five on it instead. So they're like, "That wasn't us. That had credibility." Um, like this is kind of like stuff that again no one will know, but I kind of. This is the point of the podcast that I want people to get to know the guests a little bit. Your granddad, who uh, owns the land and uh, has horses and everything, is he your mum's dad? I don't think I ever knew that. Or is it your no, dad? No, actually, he's, he's my dad's dad. Your right, mum's okay. dad, uh, he's, he's not with us anymore, but he, he was also into his country music and he'd, he'd been a fireman and been a soldier and he was a great man as well. What, what do you think it is? Do you think it's like a, just a working class thing that they can, like, I, like just identify with the lyrics and stuff because my mum was into like the old 50s rock and roll and stuff like that so like and you know a lot they'll of be things... part of that and proper country yeah uh, like I'm not I'm not talking about the boy band shite of people no no haunting about these days I guess called country but proper country yeah is about the stories you tell and it's about real life and real people and that's very much a thing that's always influenced me like, even back when I was in the rock bands and all that like I refused to just write cliched toss I always wanted to find a story that's worth telling yeah. and actually convey it to an audience. Like, I, I see myself as a writer as much as a singer or a performer. Oh, and absolutely. Country has always attracted me hugely like that. Yeah. Like, did, 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 you, uh, did your mum and dad take you to like gigs and pubs and stuff like that? Because I'd imagine you were like the yep. kind of kid that was like allowed in the pub and probably given a pint even though you were like eight years old. <laughs> well, uh, I, I wouldn't like to comment on the latter part, but I mean, <laughs> you I, would like I was dance kid. on the table and was, stuff like that, and like like get bought a shot of tequila for it. it, it it's, yeah. it's it's funny you say that. <laughs> but when yeah. I when I was little, 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 like I, my mum and dad had me while they were at university, right? And they were at university down in London, right? So I was born down in London, actually, and we moved up here when I was three. Oh right. And okay. um, why did you move I, up here? Is it just because was your mum from here? Right. Then? My oh. mum's from Brighton, actually, but um, right. most most of my family are up here. I've got a massive family on my dad's side who are all up here, so they moved up here. Right. And like my mum, my mum liked the kind of way of life up here as well. Uh-huh. But um, as a three-year-old, I, I, I'm one of these gobby kids, apparently, who was like just <laughs> one. Just one day, I was walking on, talking at the same time. It's like, yeah, look at me. Right. But I, I didn't have I didn't have this gracious gated accent that you hear now <laughs> when I was born. I, I was quite well spoken. Right. So when I was brought up here, my grandma used to parade us around places and get us to sing like <laughs> uh, when the boat comes in and like um, blading races and the lantern worm and all that, <laughs> trying to get us to like learn all the like regional dialect and all that. As a three-year-old, did you have to do it? Did you have to do a dance as well? Well, I don't 
think so. I don't know, but I was I was quite the party piece to be thrust about <laughs> like that, <laughs> singing and all. That. Oh, but, but it, I don't know. It served as well. Like even at school, like I I was doing the choir thing and all that, and like I used to get taken to Beamish and like dressed up as like a little kid from a coal mine to like <laughs> sing the local folk songs to people and all that. So like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fairly legit of the stereotype. Yeah, did, did, did that even, like, I'm guessing because that was just, like, what you did, did it even matter that, like, someone was like, right, you're going on a stage, you're going to perform in front of people? Like, yeah, I love it. Were you, I, I guess you were given, like, lots of, like, not that you, like, were some needy kid or something, like, you're a needy adult, like, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, were you just given, like, lots of, like, praise and I'm guessing that, like, boosted your confidence? I was given a lot of encouragement. Right, okay. Well, I, I, you know this this image of like the the attention seeking kid is the kid that mom didn't cuddle enough and people ignored and the kind it's total bollocks. Yeah. Like I got I got unconditional love and attention from my parents and my grandparents from my parents' friends and like I was a show off as a kid in the same way as I am as an adult because it's not really so much the attention it's I like to see people having a good time. Yeah. I like to see people being happy and entertained and laughing and all that. It's why I sing and write and I did a lot of acting. Like Generally, it, it's not, it's going to sound stupid, but I like to be that focal point, but not with it being all about me. No, like, I, I like yeah. to be able to move people and give them what they want. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I totally get that. So, like, were, um, did they, like, encourage your creativity and, like, actually think that, that could be like a future for you or like was there anything else you wanted to be when you were like really younger a cowboy <laughs> <laughs> right okay <laughs> so that um, I mean no uh, to be fair when I was very very little apparently I wanted to be a squirrel keeper so read into that one <laughs> right. uh, that was my it's like oh, I'll be realistic you know I might not get to grow up to be a singing cowboy and if not I will be a squirrel keeper <laughs> That was like four-year-old my rationale. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to keep based in reality. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because those squirrels will stay where they're put, like, and not run off at all. So yeah, I didn't say I was a squirrel wrangler. <laughs> I meant like I meant like I'd care for them. They weren't going to be like in some kind of little rodent rodeo. <laughs> rodent rodeo. Oh, see now you've just made a million pounds. Copy- oh, I'm just copy- blowing this thing. Yeah. No, no, copyright, copyright. I'm, I'm actually making the copyright sign with my finger, so like that counts as like uh, sound copyright. <laughs> no one can steal it now. <laughs> um, so- Kickstarter time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you could probably find a lot of them on your land. Like, uh, what what animals have you found on your land? Like, what's the the biggest range? You, you've seen badges, I'm guessing. Well, of course. Right. You get your badges and boxes, as you might expect. Uh, um, I guess the biggest thing it's like a big attraction to people but it's now to us because they're, they're over our estate all the time and they're down on the land and when I say estate to people who are listening I don't mean like a the home <laughs> I mean like the council estate <laughs> the council estate that the house is on but we get red kites because oh, they were released they were released at Gibside uh-huh. so they're all over the place but people don't realise because they're all big and majestic and eagle looking uh-huh. that they're actually sponges so the scrapyards around ours and like the takeaways and all that, mm-hmm. the kites hover around. So you see them all the time and we'll be down on the land and you get all these well-spoken folk yeah. coming on like bird watching trips and like 
we try to give them tips on like where you can find them and they're always very dubious because we're like local and then you're like telling them about no don't bother walking up that way on the bloody walk that the council's laid out like well, if I you mean, walk you, towards you, your granddad's only lived there like fucking 80 years you know what i mean like you have... oh i yeah, know but like if you tell them which directions to go where there's like a pub up the road or a scrapyard or something like that, where they can see whole families of them just they just look at you like some toothless hillbilly like <laughs> you frequently treated like you know the guy on pet cemetery who's like a lot of history down that road and you get treated like that all the time and you think oh fuck is then go on your wild goose chase or wild kite chase or whatever you're doing and piss off <laughs> <laughs> trying to be nice yeah you're trying to be nice but like you know yeah there's got to be a way to charge and make money out of this though do like tourist things or you know and then like lure them into like a dead end and then just take the money off them like <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I've <laughs> <laughs> a family limit, ever. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> but so, in the long run, I mean, we are hoping to open a campsite up there. Mm. So, like, because we always have cookouts and we have we get the banjo out and the guitar out and we have little sing-alongs with the bonfire and stuff quite often with me and my friends. So it's, it seems it's a, a sort of thing to make a business venture. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you've got a lot of land up there and it's a beautiful area as well. But um, at school, then, did you? Uh, did you pick up an instrument or did, was it uh, singing that came first? Singing came first. It's something that I considered a lot, but I was one of these people who would sing and I didn't just get up and be like, I'm a singer. I would like, I would, I bought books and videotapes and DVDs and stuff to practice things on. Right. So like I trained singing as if it was an instrument. I actually got some lessons off a local opera singer, this amazing guy called uh, Tony St. John. Really? Who I met. And, like, he, he tried to uh, kind of coach me into being a music theatre person, and that really wasn't for me. I mean, he thought because I'd like theatrical stuff like Goth Brooks or on the other side, like Alice Cooper and stuff, that I would do that, but it just didn't didn't light my fire, like, no way. Uh-huh. But um, I learned some valuable things from him. And he was a guy who would go into little rough as out pubs and then he would like do a Pavarotti tribute and you think people are first like, oh God, it's opera. And he would always captivate them because he had this like strong, like working class club act vibe about him. Yeah. With immaculate opera training. Like the guy had sang with like Placido Domingo and shit. Like, like I'd seen pictures of him. He was an amazing guy. He'd done West End stuff and that. And then he would be here yeah, playing in little pubs and stuff like that around here. He, like, he was a proper hero. Was was there never quite... was there never like any temptation to like follow his route then since he was like well connected and stuff like that just as like a means to an end and a way to get out there. I'm very stubborn. Like I know what I like. Yeah. And like what I always liked was like proper country music or like that kind of like seventies and eighties rock and metal. So mm. that was the path I always pursued and it always pissed him off to no end but like you always thought i was wasting myself but uh, like you don't know you're who you are aren't you what was the like um was this at like primary school or secondary school when you were getting taught these lessons oh this would have been when i was like 16 17 that sort of time 17 18 right so like what was going on in the charts at that time i mean because like did, did do you want to oh shite Right, okay, because like at that point, because I was I was the same, thinking that there was a possibility of like getting signed to a major, not a possibility, but like something to aim towards and stuff like that. And like what, knowledge of like the music industry was very limited, and you never knew what the next few years was going to bring. I think you can like predict 
how the music industry is going to go five years from now than you could say ten years ago. Um, like you know, three years down the line, ten years ago, sort of thing. Um, so like, yeah. what did you ever really feel that you could uh, become like a commercial artist? Was that ever like on the cards? To, to be honest, I I nearly did. There was um, I was in a rock band for a while with my friend Rory, and um, that that we got interest from labels. I'm not talking like bloody Roadrunner and stuff like that, but there were like smaller labels who were interested in us, but yeah. you know, for one, one reason or another, things didn't come off. Like, I wouldn't like to give names really, cause I don't want it to be one of those weird things on a podcast, but no, there no, were no. two, there were two rock bands at the time uh. who, were, who were like, they were signed, but still small. Right. So there'd be like on lower stages at download or what have you. And there was one of them where they they invited me, actually. I hadn't really got in touch with them or anything. And I got through a few rounds of auditions. And when it got to the last the last step, I um, unfortunately, I lost out. You know, there's always this idea that, like, if you're, if you're over 25, you're too old and you're on the heap and you can't do it. Well, I was dead young and yeah. fairly inexperienced. I was a bit of a raw talent. And this, this lad who they chose... He was a good ten years older than me, and he had a music, a music industry family, and he was he was into it the whole time. So he actually got it by being older and more experienced. Right. And um, the band I was in, uh, Perfect Strangers, was my friends. We had this uh, single called Fairy Tale mm-hmm. that was um, that was like moderately successful locally. Like, and you were the front man. Uh, I was the front man. Yeah. Right. And um, that song. Uh, was noticed by this band whose name I nearly gave, who were uh, they were like they were a pretty cool rock band that changed the name like once already and they were like you know when someone's always just bubbling under and just about to make it right and their sing their singer left for one reason or another and they were quite Aerosmith like and um, they they got in contact with me like their guitarist did because he knew the song Fairy Tale from when they'd came and played Newcastle and they'd met us and all that mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, they they told me that they were they're like. They wanted the manager to meet me and all that, and I thought, oh bloody hell! Like the, maybe that whole "it's not who, like what you do, it's who you know" kind of adage is actually right. Yeah. And then, um, unfortunately, the um, the guitarist who wanted me to sing, he left the band, and they kind of got repackaged as a more emo type band. Mm. And like uh, this, the idea of working with me was not something they wanted to do because, like, I was kind of white snake kind of singer at the time and i guess that was that just wasn't in vogue at that point i mean it's 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 not now really it's it's not now really but it has that heritage act vibe at the minute yeah whereas like at the time it very much didn't i mean i went on to do other stuff and i ended up deciding you know what i don't want to do rock music at all anymore like I'd got into doing rock music more than country just because it's so bloody hard to find country musicians in England and up here especially. Yeah. And uh, I got to the point where what the people always wanted was not what I am. And so like a big OTT performance on stage that didn't want, I'd be doing all kinds of crazy vocals like from White Snake to Judas Priest type stuff and they just like it was not what people wanted. I got a lot of ridicule from it. So I was like, you know what? Just sack it off altogether started working with acoustic guitarists and I started writing stuff that was more akin to my original influences and getting back into it that way. Yeah. And it's been a slow and steady thing for years. We've had lots of setbacks of people who are like time wasters and what have you. 
but I've just been chipping away and chipping away at getting to be what my original dream was because I always wanted to be a country singer. Well, since I've known you, like just about a year ago, um, and I've seen the setbacks that you've had and you haven't really been able to do anything since I've known you sort of thing, um, <laughs> which like... Like I'm in a pretty similar position as well. Like it's really hard to get like a, a band off the ground and stuff like that. But when when you said you would get like ridiculed, where like who from like online or from people at gigs? Or... Oh, there was there were there were other bands and what have you who clubbed together. Like the the, the kind of time around 2009, 10, 11, that sort of period. Yeah, the local scene was hopefully different to now. Like I don't know how much it's like now. But um, there was a lot. There was a lot of bitterness, and there was a lot of spitefulness between bands and what have you. And oh. despite actually being straight, I got a lot of homophobic abuse just because, like, you know, I didn't grow up listening to emo bands. I didn't want to stand and look at my feet and sing songs about how much I hated my dad. Like, I, <laughs> my my approach to rock music was like Van Halen. Yeah. I was like having a good time and having fun and what have you. And I got a lot of homophobic abuse about that. Uh, see, we we um, didn't like see a lot of emo bands, but we saw a lot of just really bland indie bands. That was kind of like there's a lot of that shoegazery type thing was pretty popular at the time. It as was well. like maybe it, yeah, it was about the same time as well, like uh, 08 to 2010, like when the first lineup of yeah. our band was like gigging a lot. Um, but I just wasn't ever happy with it because like I wasn't into the arrangements, and I thought like the songs needed better arrangements than what we were doing because we sounded like an indie band uh but with more complex songs and i just think that that was it, it can't be one thing or the other i don't think if you're gonna like try and resonate with an audience or no no you're right or especially like be happy with it yourself as well. and like i'm not blaming any of the band everyone just had different tastes and i probably didn't clamped down as much as I should have because I don't think it was my place to even though a lot of the songs are mine uh, like, but now I kind of you know it has you don't to... want to be that typical diva who's just taking over and having it their way and all that but no, sometimes I... you need to know recognise your creative vision that's yeah, why that... I go out under my own name now instead of a band yeah to be honest I wouldn't have been able to go out my own way because everyone was just arguing with each other all the time and I just had a fucking terrible mm. temper back then as well so like they all left I wish I had ended the band like but um they all left and that was when I just decided to um go for like the arrangements that I like and I was like discovering like I wish I like I don't really have that now I wish I could like discover a load of music like I did around that time that like really like mm change my life sort of thing and I'm still d discovering like great artists and like a lot of my friends are releasing like great stuff but I'm not like discovering a whole new genre of music that that's like really but like yeah. at the same time though I feel like I've I've done it now you know what I mean like I've found my yeah. type of music now because like I I was I like for, I know what you mean for a time I thought I was maybe classic rock or um or maybe prog or something like that, but and I'm not necessarily power pop, but like I think it's just a mix of everything because like a lot of the bands that I like, like Jellyfish, etc. Like you know, I don't think they would even call They're themselves pretty experimental. Though. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't call themselves straight power pop, like because uh, power know, pop for me was like Rick Springfield and um, yeah, what's his name? Um, did take me home tonight and all that. Do take any money. <laughs> so like when you yeah. said to me you were a power pop artist i was like all oh, right and i was thinking of that kind of like 80 stuff and i made sure does it i was like oh yeah like, how little i know <laughs> there's a bit of a yeah because i mean there's a, like electronic stuff as well falls under the 
umbrella of power pop, like Thomas Dolby and people like that. Like, oh, I remember Thomas Dolby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, you know, it's it's open to interpretation, but it's largely guitar led, I guess. Um, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, it is what it is. But I, I totally understand how RC the scene was, especially back then. Like, I'm just so out of it now, to be honest. Like, I feel that, like it. it scenes like in inverted commas are like for 16 17 year old bands that do like evolution emerging and stuff like that it's just like i i feel too old for that shit now to be honest and i feel reason- to be fair though like good 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 for them though like i, oh, no, I no, don't no, no, want to no. become one of these guys who disses the 16 17 year old 17 oh, year olds like we were that once i want them to be able absolutely to do that not, yeah yeah i think i think this the younger bands now are in such a better position than we were about 10 years ago because they've got the oh, advantage I... of like social media and they know how to use it and you know and we know how to use it but we also had to use it when it first came in so like you know there yeah, was they're in tune with it we were like doing fucking myspace i remember like trying to get people to hear your songs on myspace and shit and like yeah it's a different world now but they're also do you know what their exposure like granted like um it's it most people who'll meet me know that i'm not that enamored with a lot of quote unquote country music that comes out now because a lot of it to me is very manufactured and you get those kind of like it, it it it's just like boy band pop music at worst or soft rock at best with like a southern accent singing about buzzwords about fucking tractors and beer and tailgates and all that bullshit but my point is that there's actually a real chance and i do know a few young artists like i don't want to tar everyone with the same brush but the the internet means you have so much better exposure to actually older and more alternative artists so where i would be banging to like some of the obvious outlaws like Johnny Cash, David Allen Coe, William Jennings and stuff like that when I was younger because there were people you could find on CD or tape or whatever. Yeah. Like, they have the opportunity now that you could pick, like, say, I don't know, Willie Nelson, Spotify Radio, and then there's the chance to be exposed to all kinds of things. Oh, or that, like, yeah. you can get the internet radio, like, you you could listen to a radio station from bloody Florida or something, and, like, you, we had no way of doing that. So some of them have better influences and like they have better access to grow more as artists. Like I talked to some youngins who are teaching me stuff about seventies and eighties country that I've never bloody heard because they've grown up with internet music. Yeah. But, it, but there's also a, there's a downside to that as well. So it's like, I remember growing up that like even mainstream music fans and what have you knew about Garth Brooks, like he would sell as much as the bloody Beatles or the Eagles or something. He was always in the charts. Yeah. But because he's not on streaming media now, I talk to younger country music fans who are into that sort of stuff, who have no real connection with Garth Brooks. Whereas like there were, I was a kid in Garth mania. Like yeah. if, if you live in a world before the internet and you live in a tiny little village like Burnetfield, where the 90s was like the 70s anyway, <laughs> and you still know about Garth Brooks, like, that shows you the impact a guy like that was having, and he's like on top of the pops and shit like that. And yeah. then there's generations now where they'll think people from back then who weren't as big are a much bigger deal because they get exposed to them on Spotify and what have you all the time. I, I think it speaks to your... Um... Of, like even though you're not from yeah you know not American or whatever but it speaks to your authentic, 
like it speaks to your authenticity mm. as a, a country uh, artist. Like you don't like I just I assumed that to be kind of authentic you needed to be American, I guess, and that, that was probably kind of blinked on my part. Do you think that's like a common it's an understandable misconception? But I'm glad you said that because um, with a lot of what is called country now and what's played on mainstream country radio, yeah, there's a lot of it will sound like 80 soft rock, but there's a guy with the like full-on southern drawl and he'll be singing about like taking a girl down to the lake and like drinking beer and banging her on the tailgate and all those kind of like stereotypes. And people will see that as country when if you dissect the music, you're basically listening to like a more sanitized poppy version of 80s soft rock. Yeah. And so you get like British artists over here hear that and they're like, that is what is country. And I really like this and I want to do that. So they do this music and they either fake that accent dreadfully or they don't. <laughs> I was going to ask you, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that because you like, I've heard you sing and you sound like you. Like, you're not trying to put on some ridiculous I, accent. I, 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 put, I put some of the twang to it when I'm singing, I guess. But I that's just, I don't sing as, like, yeah, I don't want to that's just how sound you, like sorry. Geordie, you know what I mean? No, like, no, but that's, that's just how you sing, though. Like, you know, I think it's yeah. just, it, like, I don't sound Geordie when I sing. Um, no, that's true. You know, and, and like, Dale, my singer, like, actually, his accent is so strong that it's hard to get away from it sometimes. But it's not a problem or anything. It's just how it is. Um, but it's, you're influences are so embedded that that is like if you learn a drum like so well, my influences are legit like yeah. i would learn from guys like johnny cash and dwight yoakam and all that and they're like they're hardcore through and through well, these people are learning from this other stuff and then when they sing in their own accent or whatever other uk country fans who are into that sort of stuff mm-hmm. hear this and they're like that's not real country even when it's actually got the same chord progression same instruments and all that. It's just not being sung from by a fella from Georgia or Texas or whatever. And that's the thing that makes it country to them. See, do you do you feel that like for it to be real country that it has to um, come from personal experience a lot in terms of the lyrics? I would say yes, but you could say the same of stuff like the blues in that way. And obviously, like people call country like white man's blues and what have you, but. There needs to be experience, not necessarily suffering, because people often stereotype country as just the bad times, but proper good country is full of that kind of widespread of the best and worst times of your life. Yeah. Because then again, that's realistic of like what life is. But um, I don't know. Do you take country in the sense that like um, the term pop means popular? And like sort of indie is meant to be short for independent, isn't it? Might so to like, be independent, but well, yeah. it is at hell. So do, do you just use country as just that is what it's called? Not it doesn't necessarily have to be from like uh, you know from Texas or whatever or from Georgia or it, anything it like should. that. It's, it's I, I know, I know it should. I know it should, but like you know, sorry, go for it. No, no, no. It's an interesting point. Like to me, it should be a genre. And uh, there's a lot of people now who are just saying, oh, this is still country now. And it's like, it's the evolution of the music. But in reality, the, there's a difference between evolving 
could be, I mean, a guy like Dwight Yoakam is a good example. He's, he'll have all this kind of like hardcore honky tonk stuff, but he'll mix in all kinds of other genres and weird stuff. Yeah. But he's almost like a progressive artist who's doing country. Mm-hmm. Whereas then you'll get guys now just doing what is directly a pop song. And people are calling that evolution because it's using these different techniques and you listen to it and it's like, it, it's it's super processed. It'll have all these like drum machines. Yeah. There's no steel, there's no fiddle, there's no banjo, there's no telecaster. There's guys rapping on it and you're like, how are you? What makes this? That's not evolution. It's just a different thing. That's true. Well, that, all, I, all I'm saying is though, yeah, the Woolpackers had all that. <laughs> <laughs> At least they did it, like, reasonably yeah, convincing. Well, Packers are probably more country than bloody Sam, aren't So, like, with stuff like... Oh, <laughs> so, I'm getting, like, stuff... Like, I'm assuming you would consider, like, the dregs of country pop music to be... Um, oh, I wish I could remember the name, but the guy who sang Just Wanna Dance and Hide Away... Because that's got, like, a country... Oh, the, the, I, I've got a lot of time for the Mavericks, to The be Mavericks, I mean, yeah. I never thought of them as being especially country, but, I mean... They they did some cool like rock and roll covers of stuff like Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down and Hey Good Luck and like they were they were superb musicians. To be fair, my problem with it is that it's very manufactured stuff that's being marketed to people as country. They're always really pretty Barbie girls, or they're always these little sexy boy band types. <laughs> and like it's it's just totally false and they're being given these buzzwords and songs about nothing in particular it's all very shallow i mean we were talking about garth brooks earlier garth brooks did all kinds of pop stuff and he he brought a lot of influence from like billy joel and kiss and so like he pissed off loads of country traditionalists but he still had lots of elements of country and wrote his own songs and told stories with them mm-hmm. like i i'm not i'm not one of these crusty hardcore country fans all the time i mean like I, I listened to quite a bit of Kenny Chesney in the past. I don't so much now, but like he doesn't really sound country at all. But he told very emotive stories, and there were relatable songs. So even though there were like country pop, I still found it creative, and it was still kind of giving truth to people. Yeah. Whereas like if some guy's just talking about frigging backroads and <laughs> that kind of lame sexism in it, where girls are just boiled down to being like a pair of Daisy Dukes and like sh- sitting on the tailgate and all that rubbish. Like, I don't know. It's, it's the shallow manufacturedness of it that pisses me off more than the pop music side of it. Uh, how do you feel about like really established artists, like say uh, queen or the Rolling Stones or whoever, like adopting a bit Well, Metallica did country, didn't they? Like, but I think, I think that's great. Like the, Ro- the Rolling Stones, like you listen to stuff like honky tonk women and dead flowers. Like, some of that's more bloody country than a lot of what's country now. I mean, I used to sing both of those when I was doing the pubs. Well, you got to think their age as well. They're prob- they probably didn't have, like, a wide exposure to different types of music, and country probably was a legit influence on them, like the blues was to uh, well, Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. The poor white fellas, you know what I mean? They'll pick up on it. Yeah. Um, so, like... like that, that, they got flamed by loads of metal fans, but... <laughs> that song they did on the road was it the mama said or something like that like it was pretty good uh-huh. so uh, like, i like people use those influences like david allen code did an album with pantera minus final salmo uh-huh. and like it was heavy and it mixed in country stuff like that was an evolution that was something interesting and different yeah. like i'm good with all that 
No, absolutely. So, um, how this EP is uh, your EP? Um, is this the first thing that you've released in like quite a long while? It, it's quite a while, yeah. I mean, there's there's been ups and downs or, as we've been getting stuff done. I wrote it all with a really talented guy from uh, Bishop Auckland called John Lambert. How did He's you find, a, How did you find him? Like, uh, just over the internet we got talking and he was like a very legit country guy like he was into like Vince Gill and Brad Paisley and Alan Jackson and it was all like chicken picking guitar stuff but I mean I've really been lucky with him that in as much as he shares my vision and he's a great guitarist his arrangement's superb I mean he recorded the bass and the drums that's on it as well he's like he's a top class drummer as well so I mean he's been a very big part of this and I I would recommend to anybody who wants to make their country music sound more authentic, or wants to, or not just sound more authentic, to be able to actually write country authentically. Like I would recommend they work with him. Yeah. He's been the perfect foil for me writing stuff. Ha- superb. Did you just post a, a like a status update or something, or did you post an advert out there or something? How did you come across him? He he, he posted something, and I sent him this recording I'd done because I didn't have anything country recorded because. It's always like the dirty C word where people are like, oh, I don't like country music before they've even heard it. And they're immediately assuming it's going to be like the friggin' World Packers or something. So I sent them this recording of me with the guy. Pack- World Packers are getting a lot, a lot of airtime like for the first oh, time in like I know that- 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I-, I sent them this recording of me doing um, The River uh, by Springsteen, uh, the piano. Like I know that's not country at all, but it's still it's all truth and it's working class stories. Yeah. And it, there's a, a, I sang it very emotionally, and he found that like that resonated with him straight away. Hearing my voice and the way that I told the story, and I'm lucky with the acting background that you can really give that story to people, not just sing it. Yeah, like you don't sing the words, you sing the song, and like he straight away picked up on that, and me and him were close and tight straight away, and we started writing. Being I, a bishop open that he had a similar background and what have you to what I had in Burnerfield as well. Yeah, I I totally get that. Well. Like I interviewed a, a singer called Jason Downs who's like done a lot of acting and he's done like films and TV and all sorts of stuff. And he we talked about how he was able to emote his vocals like it didn't just sound like you say like if he sang a sad song he sounded sad while singing it. Sort of thing, and you know, I guess. Say again. I'm just saying as well. You damn well should. Like I hate singers who are just making a pretty noise. You're not an instrument. Yeah. You're a person. No. Perform the song. And uh, do do you find as well that it's okay to not be perfect with country as long as? uh, Of course. Yeah. Like Johnny Cash and David Allen Coe, them aren't exactly like. I don't know how you'd say it. They're not technically perfect vocalists, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're unique and distinctive. A lot of the people that I've liked have been. The people have a great tone, like Trace Atkins has a beautiful vocal tone, but like he's not perfect. He's just, you hear his voice and you're like, whoa, that's Trace Atkins. That sounds amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, but- I would prefer it to be rough. That might be one of the things I don't like about all this modern manufactured shite. Yeah. So with your, uh, with your collaborator... Did he, like, I'm guessing he saw something unique in you that he's never really seen with anyone else he's worked with? Like, did he... The legitimacy? Yeah, okay. So, like, did he work with, like, other local artists who we could... 
maybe mention or not mention? Not he'd, he'd done a lot of cover stuff and what have you, rather than doing originals. Right. Never really found people to do the country stuff with. Mm-hmm. So, like, because um, you don't play an instrument, do you? Or do you... I don't. That's right. That's that's crazy though. Like considering how creative you are and how like a songwriter and everything. Like you're really like a dream collaborator because like someone will be great at the instrument instrumental stuff and just be shite with lyrics and you're coming up with like really good stuff. Um, Thank you. I, like this, all the stuff that you showed us is like you're like, oh yeah, I just wrote this in two minutes with me fucking eyes closed with me arms tied behind me back and I'm like <laughs> fucking hell, mate. Um, <laughs> So, like, had he always, well, I guess because he'd always done cover stuff, did he always want to do, like, original stuff? Well, yeah. Every proper musician really wants to be able to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. The greatest feeling I've ever known, and that was back when I was in the rock band, is to to be playing an audience who sing back a song that you've written to you. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like nothing I've ever known. No, I can imagine. See, my songs are impossible to sing along to, so I'll never have that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never have that like experience. But um, I, I love it though because like when we get to like a really complicated chorus and they've never heard the song before, I'm always like sing along, and then like, they just stood there <laughs> watching us like confused and slightly scared. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so um, when you when you write then. Do you have melodies in mind, and do you find them easy to convey to musicians what you want musically? Like, or do you just like to, give, to give a them, degree? Do you just give them the lyrics and just let them get on with it, or do you? There's 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 been a variety of ways. There's times where I'll have an idea and I'll give them the melody, and then they'll expand it to make it better. Mm-hmm. There's times where I'm handed a chord progression and being like, I want something for this, and then I hear what feeling that music gives us, and then tell a story that matches it. Mm-hmm. And there's times where I give people the lyrics and say, I want this vibe right to it. And John is meant for that. Like, you just give John lyrics and be like, I want it to be this kind of song. And, like, boom, he'll do it. Oh, that's amazing. So, like, when you get given a chord progression as well, do you find melodies easy to come up with if you already have the lyrics? They're a lot more challenging for me than lyrics. Like, with my mother is an author, and, like, it, the, the word side of it always came to me quite easily, and it's one of the sides that people find so hard. Oh, yeah. But then the actual melody side of it's not so natural for me because I don't play anything. Mm-hmm. No, it's bad. Fair enough. So the EP, um, is it just you two on the EP? Uh, it's it, just well, us. Is it, is it an EP? It is an EP. Is it four tracks? Oh. It's three tracks, so I don't know if that makes it a big single. <laughs> a bingle. <laughs> <laughs> a dingle. Fucking... Uh... <laughs> Oh, we're back to friggin' full packets again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it is just you two. On, so, what, when is the release date, and what's it called as well? Is there like any information that you can kind of give? Yeah, that um, it's coming out. It's coming out on the fifteenth of June. Brilliant, right? Which, which is just before I'm playing a festival in uh, Oldham called right. Revolution at the Ranch, which is like a kind of a a more counterculture kind of country festival, which is kind of directly against the kind of pop country scene. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be playing that. And uh, we're releasing the week before to all kind of different streaming and online platforms so that people can get a feel for the music. Amazing. Well, it's already been getting played on country radio at the minute, but it's us. not been able to actually go on demand. Spot on. Well, uh, like links will be below the show. And I'll um, play songs on other people's 
interviews as well so that like hopefully it drives more people to like hear the music as well but like i, I love how you described that festival that is like counter culture even though it's more authentic country like surely like the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the sad state of affairs isn't it like the, it, it Mark, you know what marty stewart once said marty stewart once said the the best way to be like a rebel now is to go to nashville and actually sing country music <laughs> now, I, I, I am paraphrasing there. That's not word for word, yeah, but he's no. bloody right. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah, it's a depressing state of affairs. Well, I mean, but it. I always find that, like, with say promotion or your presentation or whatever, no matter how weird it seems, I always prefer to do what everyone else isn't doing. Because you're going to be the only Which person. Which, luckily for me, right now is country. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be the only person doing it, and. You know, by proxy. Now, there are, be... there are. To be fair, there are there are some artists in the UK but who this... are doing real country. I don't want to make myself out to be some martyr who's the only real country musician. There no. are a lot of really good ones. They're just not getting the exposure. And in America, to be fair, they're just not plastered all over the radio. Mm-hmm. But that that gives you a lot of room, though, to be creative with your promotion, though, and find different ways to get yourself out there. Like, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, and. Like I'm really excited. Like I want to come down if I can. Um, I don't know if I'll fit in. They might all turn around and fucking look at us and kick us out. Like, but I'll I'll come with like me straw hat and me um, dungarees and pretend I'm coming. All those things you don't own. Me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, me Survivor Series. You're, you're a lovely hillbilly. Like you're. I am a lovely hillbilly, hillbilly. To be fair, like uh, me Survivor Series. Haven't you? bandana that's and just what i was gonna say no haven't you got like a cup that's a friggin cowboy boot because it's like <laughs> a chuck a chuck norris foot or some bollocks like that yeah like, um that's, that's more country <laughs> well that's the thing though a lot of my like um for those who don't know we are very big wrestling fans and we'll spend most of our time talking about right. it. um like most of my stuff like it's Really proper redneck trash, really like seven inch single with Hacksaw Jim Duggan on the cover and stuff like that. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I get like genuine enjoyment out of it. The WrestleMania album doesn't venture into country, um, the wrestling album did because they did Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy. Oh, no, that was Don't pa- Go Messing yeah. with a Country Boy. Uh, was that on the first one or was that on the second? No, one? no, that was on the first one. No, no, it is on the first one, it is on the it first is. one, yeah. And uh, Sam Houston, well, I don't know if you heard the interview, but Sam Houston said that he was going to be doing a cover of some song and it got scrapped. Um, I, did hear, I, I did hear him say Can you remember what it was or who it was? I can't remember, and I, I will find it. And I'll, um, I could just ask him, but it be a cover, though. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, Everything else is like original, doesn't it? No, no. Um, Vince McMahon just now has an out of out country, so he's like, oh, yeah. Actually, no, I'm talking shite. Wasn't there like a cover of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo and there was a cover of Fuck Everybody? I don't think. No, no um, there's not a cover of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, I don't think. But it is mentioned. I mean, Gene Ogilvy's singing it. I'm positive. I remember. Me no, no, he like, does. Uh, a Rick James wig on his head. No, no, he, he does. No, no, he does. Um, he does. Uh, Tutti Fruity. Tutti Fruity. Um, Why have I got it in me that he sings that? Because Derringer was playing on that record as well. He probably did. So it, it makes sense. He probably did it on like a Tuesday Night Titans uh, when he come out with like the chest. Because yeah, everything was trippy and weird shite on that wasn't it <laughs> oh I love I love watching Tuesday Night Titans with you it's like the biggest fucking laugh it's the best thing when you're stoned <laughs> ever 
It makes no sense. <laughs> I love it when it just all falls apart. You haven't seen the episode yet of uh, the audience asking Jesse Ventura questions, have you? With the old man in the audience. No. Oh, it's so God good. bless Jesse Ventura. I love that man. And Vin- Vince as well. Like Vince <laughs> just seemed like so up for having a laugh in the eighties. Like compared to now, <laughs> I am not compared to the stiff square he is later. <laughs> and he probably was a stiff square even back then. But like, at least he was trying he's to just fit a in, band he? cooked up one. That was all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! So yeah, um, we're we're almost up to an hour actually. So this is good. Like, look how quickly we've like done an hour. Like. And we've barely covered anything. So, like, um, your EP... Well, that's the thing. Like, by the time the show's up, all information will be below the link and everyone should check it out. Um, Please and, do. And is the uh, the festival... That's the only gig you have lined up at the moment? Um, we're doing some other kind of low-key stuff just to warm up for it, but, like, that's testing the water sort of thing. It's a big festival, yes. And to be fair, not just for me, like Revolution at the Ranch has got a lot of amazing people playing at it. I would strongly recommend people go and check that out. There's an event link on Facebook. Uh-huh. The place that it's at's really cool. It's like this old converted school bus that's turned into like a big barbecue place. And it's like at some like a fallout made a big hillbilly place. <laughs> I know that's probably what you'd think of my land as well. But like <laughs> if, it, if it was made into a place that served barbecue and had live country music, like it's a cool venue. That's a lot of awesome. building like, I would strongly recommend people if you're in the Manchester area, definitely get to it. So, is there like a? I'm guessing an entry fee, or a, like there's no tickets or anything. No, it's better. a free festival. It's totally free. Uh-huh. Obviously, you you've got to buy the the barbecue food and like the beer and what have you. But like, yeah. the festival itself is free. That's part of it being the kind of counterculture thing. Is it's it's not ticketed. It's like if you want to come and get into the kind of the other side and the dark side and the like, the the more authentic side. Like, come along. That's amazing. Like that. That's considering like the EP isn't even out yet. Like just from what you've done so far, you're playing like a festival that is suited for your type of music. Like I think it, to, for me, it doesn't get more successful than that because like you know, it's like when we do the IPO and stuff like that. It's a power pop festival, and people mm. know who you are, and yeah. people are gonna like your stuff as well for a start, and potentially buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna like mm. your fan base is gonna grow. Like it's not just gonna be so. it's not just gonna be housewives on Facebook flicking themselves over your pictures and yeah, um, <laughs> I did actually say that there's on the podcast. Few, like, it, like, that's the that, that's the rude people like that. We know that's let's not name them, <laughs> but there's a few people we know like that with zero credibility. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the rudest thing I've ever said on this podcast. So it's like um, I, I feel blessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, like well done. Like I'm I'm so happy for you that you like. I can't take the credit for it, mate. Like, I've been very lucky that there's a guy called Lars Pluto who is like, he is the champion of this kind of like authentic country, like way above and beyond how far I would go. I mean, he's hardcore, diehard of the like 70s outlaw stuff. Uh-huh. And like, he, he knew me and my kind of viewpoints and heard me sing and what have you. And he invited me to do this. So I'm extremely lucky, and I do all this to Lars that I'm getting this opportunity. Yeah, but and to he, be fair, like I, I put my name around, and there was some of the more poppy stuff. Couldn't give two shits; they weren't interested. Uh, it was Lars approached me, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Well, that's the thing as well, though. He could have very easily have just listened and then not liked you, or like just bypassed you completely. <laughs> so, like, it's you know, give yourself credit. Like, it says something to you. 
Um, and it, I'm just glad that like all the hard work's paid off and all of the changed band members and all of the fucking stress of being messed about and stuff Thanks. like that. And just like, a lot of years, like. yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, like Alex, we will do this again. And we've been, for those who are wrestling fans who are listening, we've been talking quite a while about doing, uh, an actual regular wrestling podcast. Um, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to do it. Cause like a part of like doing this, I, I think you would, probably admit it was probably testing the waters to see if this would work for like post potentially doing a wrestling podcast as well because like you know um we know that we have good chemistry when we talk and stuff like that and like and it's hilarious we think it's hilarious like whether anyone <laughs> i was else gonna would. say i hope other people think that eh? <laughs> well no but it's it, it, i mean don't not to blow on horns or anything like that but it's hilarious it's insightful i know far too much shit so like you know and then um you know a lot of shit and i talk a lot of shit so that, that probably... <laughs> and you know the whole the whole gimmick of like i'm the straight man but i'm also the one that like chugs on dicks so like you know it's it's um so yeah uh that'll be me catchers um <laughs> um <laughs> I've, I've got like a I've, I've got an artist who does stuff for us and i've got like a really awful image in my mind that could be like the the logo for our show but i'm not going to tell you that because yep. Never comes to fruition. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just about basic. We're just about a family friendly show. I mean, for for country red next really, <laughs> You know, no, we are for like country sort of rednecks and hillbillies and uh, you know that kind of family. So like, yeah. Um, well, that's how it. My yeah. kind of family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, like I said, links will be below the show, and uh, you, and Alex's songs will be heard on future episodes as well. So do listen. Uh, otherwise, I'll come to your house and sort you out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you saw us, I'd be terrible. I'd be like, you know, I'd come to your house and then knock on your door and then run away. But I think I've gotten the one up on you because like, I've fucking done that. Knock your nine doors. Knock your nine doors. I was too out of fucking shape for that. Like, <laughs> That was a terrible <laughs> game. One, one time as well. This was only like 10 years ago and I was far too old to do it, but we uh, got in a taxi. You're too fucking old to be playing knock your nine doors when you're like 20. No, it wasn't when I was 20, but like... <laughs> When I was when I was about twenty, maybe he's a bit older. Like we got the taxi somewhere, and the the plan was because we couldn't afford it, so we got out and fucking ran. Um, All right, I, yes. I, I've heard this. So yeah, no. So <laughs> I like we got out and fucking. They are athletic, or at least can run. You know what I mean. And I'm just like uh-huh. I was vomiting at the end. Like I didn't stop because like the fear of the law kept us running. You know what I mean. Like you know, <laughs> like actually. There's kept... a country lyric I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The fear of the law kept us running. <laughs> the fear of ending up in prison and. Uh, uh, the fear of like getting caught by a taxi driver and getting sent to prison and ending up with loads of dicks up the ass. Oh, wait a minute, that sounds not too bad. Um, yeah, no, so that actually, like, you know, the again, just I'm a big, massive pussy person, but I ran and I ended up, I don't know how it happened, but like I was running through like bushes and fucking trees and all sorts of shit. And I ended up with like fucking holding two massive branches and running with them. Like, because they were just in me way, but I didn't, like, drop them or anything like that. I just kept running with them. And then when I got to uh, my mate's house, I just vomited everywhere because, like, um, that's just how out of shape I am. 
But I, I don't know why I told you that story. But uh, it, like with every passing episode, my credibility as a host like just fucking dwindles. So like, um, so I look forward to being there for the rock bottom. No pun intended. <laughs> it's been a good ride. It's been sixty-five episodes, and it uh, actually no, it's probably been about a hundred episodes if you include the rest of the ones. But um, this is yeah, you know, I've been doing it two years now. You know. Now I'm interviewing Well, not that prolific because it's been two years. Now you're so far in the toilet that you're interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's been it's been a pleasure, <laughs> and it's been the first time I've talked to you since we had a drunken argument. So, like you know, <laughs> um, there's there's one for another story. Another over, episode. over Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> so, like you know, all, that's the thing though. Like I think that says more to our friendship than anything else that we have an argument over <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher. So, like you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to be wrong sometimes. Don't worry about it. Hey, <laughs> I, I like Abdullah the Butcher. Like, but no, actually, no, I don't. I fucking hate the man. But like, yeah, I res- really don't. <laughs> but like, I, but I respect what he's done, and I do enjoy the character. To be fair, um, you know, and anyone that can get that reaction in front of like you know twenty thousand people in Japan and stuff like that, you know, like amazing. But, yeah, and don't just judge him off the Chamber of Horrors. No, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again, if fair, fans are... anyone who's not seen his hardcore shit, who's listening to this podcast, probably also hasn't seen his old hillbilly shit that I saw when I was a kid. So That's true. Imagine, imagine just a 400-pound man in MC Hammer pants with curled boots, um, with a bald head, with crazy eyes, with massive scars on his forehead, with a fork that he stabs people with, um, and then you've got to do the better butcher, than so. it sounds. <laughs> 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 he is he is legit scary. Like I was scared of him as a child. Like just look at him. Like, yeah. Um so yeah, anyway, this is this has gone off in a million different directions now. This is why we need to do the wrestling podcast. But um thank you very much for coming on and uh it has been a pleasure and um we will Thank you for we, me. We'll do part two after the uh after the festival as well. Once you well, once you, yeah, whatever mad goings on happen at that. <laughs> well that's the thing like I just know that something's going to happen that's going to end up with like you either in prison or like not because you've done something <laughs> wrong but like you know or, or somehow you'll end up pregnant or something like that like you know, <laughs> some fucking weird shit will happen um, okay well thank you very much and we'll talk again soon right take care of yourself bye now.
strange exterior Far on the lake just like a gray wall The closer you are, you're far away If you try to run, you're gonna stay Far on the lake, it beckons and calls that was Chris Price with Peculiar Lake Superior from his new album Dalmatian which is available through uh, all of his links and through Omnivore Recordings. Uh, thank you to Alex Tempest. Um, that was a filthy interview. <laughs> it doesn't get much filthy. That's general conversation for us and, and to be fair we held back a little bit as well. Um, and we did, I, I did kind of mention, I hope you didn't mind, but uh, we are very much considering starting a, a wrestling podcast as well because our conversations about wrestling like we we disagree on stuff but we also agree on a lot of stuff as well and he is so funny like ridiculously funny and i think that a lot of people are gonna um enjoy what we talk about and the style that we talk about it and it'll be different to a lot of things that you hear um so yeah i hope everyone enjoys that and uh, do buy alex's ep when it's released as well and i'll be keeping everyone updated on how you can do that and uh, his social medias are below as well so do check it out uh chris price whose song i just played he will be back on the show um he's becoming a regular guest um he is uh, planning a tour with uh i think it's david murr and uh, linus of hollywood like two giants in the power pop field uh, they're doing like a i think it's a house party tour they've done this before and uh, it's been wildly successful as well. Um, you know, Chris, you know, is in between like recording with Linda Perhaps and uh, you know he. Uh, I mean, he supported the Who um, with uh, a singer songwriter, and you know he's he's all over the place. And Linus, uh, you know, has produced Bowling for Soup and um, done all kinds of things and written hits in Japan and all that kind of thing. Um, David Murr was in a uh, a band called the Merrymakers as well, who. Possibly best known for the song April Fools, which was written by Andy Sturmer from Jellyfish. So, like, massive power pop. Like, I was going to say menagerie, but that's animals, isn't it? So, yeah, I keep using that out of context. But yeah, a collective, I guess. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun. So, I'll be talking to Chris about his new album. Um, it, it, Chris has been very giving. I've worked with Chris a few times. Um, the last time was out in LA when we played a gig together, and uh, Chris is one of the most talented songwriters that I know. And um, I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. And uh, do check out previous interviews, including a one with Chris where he goes into his uh, how he started working with Emmett Rhodes, the the legend that is Emmett Rhodes. And for those who aren't familiar, Emmett Rhodes was such a an amazing uh, songwriter uh, and performer and people thought that his first album was a Beatles album and that the Beatles were doing it under a different name that's how good Emmett Rhodes is um, and it just shows how good Chris is that he's able to you know um, work with these people and yeah yes I can't say enough good things about him so um, also, for for you wrestling fans out there, Turn Chuckle, I will be interviewing, it's going to happen very soon, uh, the Keith Elliott Greenberg interview. And Keith has, uh, he was the writer for WWF Magazine, well, no, he was the field editor and then he was the senior editor uh, for WWF Magazine for a long time. But then he co-wrote uh, Freddie Blassie's autobiography, Superstar Billy Graham's book, um, amongst others. Uh, you know, he was... Uh, heavily involved in volume three of the encyclopedia which heavily goes into different companies and he also wrote the biography for ben and jerry 
so as an ice cream lover, I can't wait to talk about uh, talk to him about that. So um, yeah, um, quite excited about that. That will probably be a two parter because if it's anything like the Tom Buchanan interview, the uh, photographer for WWF, um, I just had so many nerdy questions and you know, it couldn't help but become a two parter. So um, yeah, I, I hope everyone is enjoying the podcast and um, I. I there is a big green button at the top of the page, a Patreon button, if you want to help support the show financially. Um, there, there will be an actual Patreon being set up soon because I know that the um, the production levels of the podcast need to be upped. You know, I, I feel like everything is there with the podcast. The production just isn't quite there at the moment um, and it will get there. Um, you know, you know, because I am a carer for my sister, and I'm poor as shit. I'm a power pop musician carer, uh, so like being able to afford anything is really hard. But that's the beauty of podcasts: is that you don't need equipment, you don't need expensive equipment to be able to uh, create content and hopefully something that people enjoy. So I hope you do. You can subscribe on iTunes and leave a five star review. Um, <laughs> I'm being presumptuous, but leave a five star review. If you're only gonna leave one stars, just send me a message privately. Tell me I'm shit in private. I don't mind. You know, as long as you tell me how I can improve or something like that. And like, I rarely get feedback. That's something I'm gonna assume that I'm doing everything wonderfully until I, until I start getting uh, some feedback from people. Although one person did call me the worst interviewer in the world. So there we are. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I haven't let that go yet. <laughs> um, I have really. Now I've, I've actually got a. Uh, poster on my wall like a dartboard that I've wrote darts at um is he kidding is he not who knows um so yeah I'm going to uh, go feed the cats and uh, enjoy this beautiful sunny day and uh, I will see you all next time goodbye 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 goodbye, goodbye.